Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Well, thank you for that. And uh, Francis was a little understated, but I've been in a group with him at Pastor Carl's Breakfast, and it's actually uh, really good. And his, uh, his input for, to us was also equally beneficial. So, so good on you, Francis. Um, and, and I like testimonies because like, it's people, right? It's real people. There's a face up here saying, my life's been added to, and there's been strength put into my life because I got involved with other people. And you know, if you read uh, like Ephesians chapter 4, for example, where it's talking about all the, the we get life, we get sustenance by being connected and hooked up to the head, Jesus. But it's through what the joints supply. It's what our connections together that actually produces uh, and manifests the fruit of that connection with Jesus. So small groups, place to be. All right, so today we're going to carry on today with uh, our series in Colossians. And um, we're going to look at today Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And uh, for the, uh, the observant amongst us, you'll notice that we've missed, uh, we're skipping out a passage at the end of chapter three uh, about husbands and wives and masters and slaves. And I, I strongly encourage you, come, come next week. It's going to be great. Um, you know, when Jesus is preached, when, when Jesus is communicated to us, our, our families, there's freedom, there's liberty. It's just so good. So next week, you're going to want to be here for sure. But today... Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. I'm just going to read it for you right now. If you've got your Bibles or uh, your electronic devices, feel free to pull it out. And this is what it says. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us the door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Carl introduced us to this quote by someone called E.M. Fitzpatrick, and it's wonderful, so I'm going to read it again. It says this, when we're reading the Bible, when we're looking at uh, these kind of portions of the scriptures where, you know, it's starting off right away saying, hey, do something. Continue earnestly in prayer. This, is, uh, this quote's really helpful for how we ought to approach these kinds of uh, scriptures. So it says, so many of us cavalierly gloss over what he has done and zero in on st- instead of what we're to do. And that shift, though it might seem slight, makes all the difference in the world. Our obedience has its origin in God's prior action. And forgetting that truth results in self-righteousness, pride, and despair. As you study the scripture, so today, as we look at these four verses, uh, remember that the imperatives are always rooted in the indicatives. God calls you to become who you already are in Christ. So what that means for us, as we're going to look into these scriptures, whatever God commands you to do, whatever he instructs you to do, it's not without first being like, rooted in the finished work of the cross. Realizing and identifying yourself as having a share in his resurrection and being made alive with him and empowered by him already. You've got the Holy Spirit. Your, your, your sins, it's all put away. You're, you've been made alive together in Christ, and you need to know that. You need to understand that and be rooted in that when we jump to these kind of scriptures that are going to start telling us what to do. 
you know, sometimes there's a, there's a tendency when we do skip, we skip right to the instructions and read them as though we're, we're not already saved. Sometimes you can read it like, you know, you're not already redeemed, you're already forgiven. Like you're, like you're unempowered. And our relationship with God depends on the results of how well we're actually, you know, adhering to the instruction that we're given. We have such a performance mindset in that sense sometimes. And I want to say this, that a renewed mind, it sees the instructions of God not as uh, threats fraught with danger and the risk of punishment, but rather as opportunities. When, you're t- when you come across something in the scriptures that says, do this, continue earnestly in prayer, redeem the time, walk in wisdom towards others, uh, that, it's not a or else, you know, or, or you're in trouble if you don't, or make sure that you do it really, really good or else you're going to be in trouble. But you've already been placed in Christ. You're already free from all that threat, all that fear, all that intimidation of, oh my goodness, what if? What if I don't do it right? What if I don't do it well enough? You're already free. So we're free to embrace these things. Now, the, the alternative is sometimes true as well. You know, it's, it's possible. You could, you could look at this and say, continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And you're like, nope. Don't tell me what to do. I'm already saved. Jesus did it all. And uh, unfortunately, that would be another extreme. You know, if you're, if you're so inclined, if that's your, your, your reaction, then, you know, you're going to miss out on a lot of the opportunity that the instruction gives to you. The instruction of God comes with the power to carry it out. And it comes when you're rooted in your identity in Christ and you know who you are in him and you know who he is inside of you as resurrection, life, and power. You know you've got the ability to carry through what you're being asked. And you know it's an instruction that's in line with the nature of God that he's already put within you. You've already been given a divine nature. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature with God. You have the power and the capacity to do these things because that's who you are. That's who God made you. Thanks. So today, we're going to look at, like I said, Colossians 4, 2 to 6, and let's look at some of the imperatives that are in here, some of the commands, some of the instructions. First of all, continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So, prayer. We've got walking in wisdom. We've got redeeming the time. We've got let your speech always be with grace. And know how you ought to answer one another. So we've got some things that we're told to do. And in Colossians 3, we heard from Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Carl a couple weeks ago that Paul makes this turn away from the first couple chapters where he's telling us who we are. He's telling us who Jesus is, what he's done for us. He's celebrating the, uh, the supremacy of Christ, the victory of Christ. And he makes this turn and he starts saying, now in light of all this stuff, this is some things that you need to do. And he framed it as good advice. The, the, the letter went from good news to good advice. And I think that's a great way to talk about it because there's some things in the, in the New Testament that come across to us as commands, but they're, uh, they're actually culturally sensitive instructions, if I can put it that way. Um, you know, and sometimes we're, we shouldn't read those as uh, instructions to us. You know, so there's some examples like slaves obey your masters or, um, you know, ladies cover your heads, in which case there's a couple of you who are doing all right today. You know, I, I don't think we're meant to read that and take that seriously as an instruction for us today. And I understand sometimes there, when you hear that, you know, there's, there could be a knee-jerk reaction like, well, hold on a second. All of scripture is God-breathed. It's all of it, it's useful for training and instruction in righteousness. And I'd say, absolutely, it totally is. 
But some of these things that are specifically given to people in a particular culture, in a particular time, for me, that's still instruction in righteousness. That's communicating to me that God is interested in our culture. He's aware of what's going on in our times. And when you look around at the world and you look at some of the, the culture wars, the culture problems that we have going on, it just gives me hope when I read things like this because God was able to communicate to a church at a very real time in a very real place with very real cultural issues, and he was able to give them wisdom and help them to navigate through. I think that's a pretty powerful message. God's totally available to us to help us as we try and navigate our way through the times that we live in. So it's not a diminishing at all of the, of the scriptures, the authority of the scriptures. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing endorsement about God's love and his willingness to engage us in the, in the times we find ourselves living in. However, I should say, these, these things that were given today, these are not those culturally sensitive things. These are for everybody. Everybody needs to engage in prayer. Everybody should be wise and walk, redeeming the time. So, um, as he says, continue earnestly in prayer. So we're going to talk today, first of all, about how to pray. And I understand there's a whole bunch of books, there's a whole bunch of material out there. Some of it's really good, some of it's a little uh, difficult to navigate your way through. But I just find it interesting, too, that um, the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said specifically, teach us how to pray. You know, Jesus had something going on in his life and his relationship with God that people noticed it. And they're like, oh my goodness, what do you got going on? I, teach me that. And uh, so it's really interesting. But like I said, there's lots of different ways to pray. There's lots of different uh, Bible verses talked about prayer in the Bible, and there's a few um, coming up here. So like Mark 11, uh, verses 24, it says, whatever things you ask when you pray. So you've got prayer where you're asking for stuff. we got praying without ceasing. Prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. We've got the kind of prayer where we're just saying, God, I need something. I need some help. Just ask. There's things we can just ask for. Uh, the next one's a good one. Supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks. And it actually goes on to say, for all men and for all those in authority, which I think is a, a timely insight for us in the days we live in as well. All men, all those in authority. And then, of course, there's the, the, the famous, uh, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And these are just a few. There's a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about prayer, but... When we look at it today, we're going to look at it specifically uh, shaped and conditioned by what we've been learning um, in Colossians, and that's we're going to talk about prayer as a behavior rooted in right belief, and then with a view to seeing the gospel spread and people getting saved. So already in Colossians, before we've gotten to the point where we've been told, continue earnestly in prayer, we've already seen that. Uh, in Colossians 1, we've been qualified to receive an inheritance. You know, we're not engaging in prayer and asking God to qualify us for something or trying to engage some process where we need something from him that we don't already have. We've been qualified to receive an inheritance. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, past tense. We have already been translated into or placed within the kingdom of the son of his love. We have redemption. We already have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Your sins are totally forgiven. We have been reconciled to God. It's already happened. We're presented before God now as holy, blameless, and above reproach. 
And sometimes that's a really difficult uh, concept to understand, but it's, it's actually a reality. You know, if you can come boldly before the throne of grace, that's something that we all claim to, and we say we can do right now in our time of need. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going boldly before the throne of grace because you're holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's what makes that possible. The mystery kept hidden uh, has been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the answers. I always said today, you know, Jesus is the answer to all of our questions. It says of him earlier in Colossians that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in this person, Jesus. And, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing statement. That means that but when you get to know Jesus, the person, when you have a, a relationship with him, he makes sense of your world. Knowing him and the way that you get to live and the perspective you have from relationship with him literally answers every one of life's questions, and it literally makes sense of who you are. We're complete in him. This is a weird one, but we've been circumcised with Christ. The flesh cut off of our lives through our union with him. You know, prayer is not something we're engaging in, trying to overcome the flesh, the works of the flesh. I need to get that. I need to put it down. It's already happened. Through the cross of Christ, your flesh has actually literally been cut off of your life. We've been made alive together with him. We have the list of things that are against us, completely destroyed at his cross. Here's another interesting one for prayer. Principalities and powers have already been disarmed, and he, made, he triumphed over them. He made an open spectacle of them by the cross. We've been set free from all of the isms and the additions to the finished work of the cross. Things like asceticism. Uh, at the time, there was Gnosticism. For things, there's things like intellectualism. All these isms and additions to the finished work of Jesus, we were totally set free from. And we've already died, and our life is already hidden with Christ in God. This is an amazing list of things that's already true about us. So when we go and we're, we're, we're engaging in this commandment that says, continue earnestly in prayer, you got to keep these things in mind. And when you're rooted in these things, it, it actually informs how you pray. Now, it, it's not a step-by-step you know, -step instruction in terms of like, you know, I used to think when I, when I first became a Christian that God wouldn't answer my prayers unless I prayed them in my head and I couldn't speak them out loud. That's super weird. I don't even know where I got that one from. But I used, to, I used to think that I needed to be at my bedside, on my knees, and I remember having this really big dilemma where I wanted to put a, a pillow down, because after a couple hours, my knees just hurt, and I was like, I don't know if this is allowed. So it's not one of those, you know? Jesus went up a mountain and he prayed. You know, maybe, you can make a principle out of that if you like, but maybe Jesus just liked the scenery, you know? He stayed up all night and he prayed. Maybe, maybe he was a night hawk. You know, you never know. Uh, prayer is a very, I think, a very personal and a very individual thing when it comes to you spending time with God. So that's not the kind of how-to prayer that I want to talk about, but the how-to is really informed by the, by the, the list of things, the, what, what Paul's already said in Colossians that's already true of you. When these things affect your consciousness and affect your mind and affect your faith, you find yourself praying in a different way. When you do these things in light of all that's already true about God, all, all that's already true about you and what he's done, you know, prayer informed by the finished work of the cross, informed by the resurrection power of Jesus, when you see him in prayer, when you see him for who he is now, you know, when you see him where he now sits, it's a, it completely changes and revolutionizes your, your, your way of praying and, and the way you engage the whole subject. You know, uh, the Bible tells us that we once knew Jesus in the flesh, but now we know him thus no longer. 
It says he was crucified in weakness, but now he lives by the power of God. When you see him seated at the right hand of the Father, when you can connect with that, when he, you see him as the one who has all authority and all power in heaven and earth, and you see that all your sins and all these issues, he sits above it. He sits above everything that's going on. He sits above all the chaos in the world. He has authority over all of it. That completely transforms how you pray. You know, we don't spend time in prayer when informed by the finished work of the cross. The stuff that Paul was at, like such, such pains to, to communicate in this letter to the Colossians. When you're, when you're informed by these things, we're not, we're not begging God and pleading for him to give us what he's already made available. We're partnering with him and speaking it into manifestation. So what, what is prayer? You know, sometimes when we talk about prayer, uh, I think in an effort to, to really demonstrate the love in God's heart towards us and uh, his desire to have a relationship with us, sometimes it's possible to say things like, you know what, prayer's just talking with God. Prayer's just communicating with God. And I'd say, yeah, absolutely. But what if talking with God is talking with God? What if communicating with God is just communicating with God? And what if that thing, that prayer, that thing that he says, you know what, continue vigilantly in this. Continue earnestly. Be watchful while you're doing it. What if that prayer, what if that's something else? What if that's not, you know, I'm walking down the street. Lord, it's a lovely day. Thank you so much that you love me. You know, that's, that's great. That is prayer. That is, that's ongoing prayer. That's, that's communication with somebody that you love and cares deeply about you and who's intimately present with you at every moment. So I'm not talking against that. I'm just saying, what if prayer is something else? What if prayer is something specific? And uh, as it turns out, in the Greek, when you look at the, the word prayer, uh, it's prosuke. And it, ha it has within its root etymology the, the idea of an exchange and an exchange of wishes. Now, when I'm talking about wishes here, it's not a, you know, oh, I'm just kind of throwing a wish up there and sticking my penny in the, in the water fountain kind of thing. It's a wish as in a, there's something I want to happen. There's something that looks almost impossible that I'm, I'm, I'm desperately in need of or I'm wanting to see come to pass. That's, that's kind of the idea there behind a wish. So when you look at the Greek word, for me, it, it looks like this. Prayer is where we exchange wishes with God. It's a dynamic event in which he pours his interests and wishes into our hearts and we pour ours out to him. In this exchange, we speak back to him his intention to answer our prayers and our confidence in him to do so. It's an exchange. It's an interaction. Uh, I, I love to pray. I love, I love to walk down the street and pray. You know, sometimes I get up early in the morning and try and walk, excuse me, be a little bit healthy and I'll walk through the city and I'll, I'll be informed by this. I, I know that it's God's will that everybody in my little city of Strathroy wants to, God wants them all to be saved, right? So I'll walk through the city and I'll start praying for people. And I'll walk through the city and I'll say, Jesus, you really love these people. These people need to come to know you. God, pour out your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you live inside of me. Thank you that I can communicate your gospel to the next person I see. And I start to pray knowing that that's what he wants to do. And all of a sudden, there's, a, there's an exchange. He, he, he speaks in you, that, that passion, that burden that he has. You start to feel it. It starts to rise up inside of you, and you start to feel that this is, in fact, what he wants. And I start to, to pray, and you, you can listen to yourself pray, and you can engage with God in a way that, that's informative and engaging. He, he really wants to put his passion and his burden inside of us. And 
I think that this relational aspect, this, this exchange of wishes, when you engage with God and you share with him what's on your heart and he puts what's in his heart in your heart and you put voice to it, I think that's one of the reasons why Paul says, you know, be vigilant in prayer. Be watchful with thanksgiving. You know, sometimes watchfulness and vigilance in prayer, it's, a, it's equated with spiritual warfare and uh, probably rightly so. But uh, one thing I've learned is uh, if you're engaging in that kind of thing, uh, the best way to be successful is to not stare at that thing you think you're fighting, but to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So I, I think there's something else going on here. I keep saying, be watchful, be vigilant in prayer, because as God exchanges his heart and his desires with you, pay attention. He's speaking to you, and he's communicating with you, and sometimes you pray, and you're like, oh my goodness, what a good idea. I just prayed that, but that's God. That's God. He's put his, 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 his thoughts and his heart inside of you, so pay attention to that stuff. Think about it. Think about what you've prayed. Engage. It's really good. So, again, I think this, is, this idea of watchfulness, it's, it's, it's linked to this interactive exchange. And when you begin to take on and experience the, the mind of God going through you when you pray, your, your mind is renewed. And you see things differently because you've taken on in your heart the burden of God and, and the will and the desire of God. And the Holy Spirit flows through you and brings a transformation in your mind and in your conscious and, and even your unconscious self. You know, you start to see things God's way, and you start to take on his desire, and all of a sudden, with Paul, you're starting to pray things like, open doors for me. God, open doors. Give me an opportunity to share the gospel, because in your prayer, you've exchanged something with God. He's been able to, to that, that desire that he's put in you already is starting to flow, and it's starting to come up, and, and the desire to see people connected with him that is deeply involved in his heart. You're finding yourself connected with it. You're finding yourself speaking it. You're finding an emotional connection with the, with the, with the very heart and passions of God. So prayer is not, uh, not just something we do to God, but informed by the cross and because of this relational dynamic and by the very present Holy Spirit. It's something that we do with God. It's speaking and calling those things that are not as though they were. It's by faith knowing that not only was the whole world initially framed by the word of God, but this principle prevails. And as we pray, as we put our voice to his wishes and his word, with the word of God on our lips, in our prayers, in our declarations, we also frame the world around us too. So what, what about this? What if instead of... Uh, praying to God for him to do something. We shift and, and we, we saw ourselves as praying with him. We engage the relationship, the relational process of prayer. We engage the, the process of the Holy Spirit communicating and manifesting God's love in our hearts towards the people in our lives and towards the situations uh, that we face. And again, instead of um, feeling like we're praying to God and saying, God, come down and do something, we find ourselves praying with him. We're engaged in a process where the Holy Spirit is giving us things to say. He's, he's manifesting that heart of God to us. And, and honestly, I think this kind of praying, a real connection with the heart of God, knowing that you're praying with him, I think this partnership, this is something that the world needs right now, real desperately. Uh, even to see some of the stuff that's, that's rearing its ugly head in the world just be put down. You know, when you think about prayer, Jesus said, you know, my house will be a house of prayer for, for all nations. And uh, 
That, that actually means all ethnos. So all ethnos, something fundamental to the nature and the character of God is prayer for all people, all ethnicities. Now the thing is, is no, no person is the object of control in prayer. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to pray things like, uh, God makes so-and-so do something, or, or God makes so-and-so not do this. You know, God's, God's absolutely committed to us having um, our own free will. But I'll tell you what, by our prayers, by our, our partnership with Jesus in prayer, by, by engaging this process with the Holy Spirit, we're able to put down and displace some of the influences of the things that are actually speaking to people. So why pray? We've looked at how to pray, kind of. We've looked at uh, what prayer is, but, but why pray? And Jesus said, well, Jesus, Jesus said... The highest heavens belong to God, but the earth he's given into the hands of the sons of men. There's a, God made the world. He, he put hum, humanity in the earth and he gave them a job to do and he gave them authority and he said, you know, basically, I want partner. I want a partner to take the glory of God and export it out of this little garden. I want you to take my glory and make it known throughout the whole of the world. And, and he put us in this place of chaos and he said, now you've got the authority to do this. So Adam and Eve, humanity has authority to export the glory of God, to make God known, to, to, to create something beautiful in the midst of a chaotic world. And they went and gave that authority to the devil. And he's made a mess of it. Well, Jesus came as a man. He took that authority back from, from the devil, and now he alone possesses it, and he alone wields it through his body on the earth. So all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority, all of it, in heaven and earth. It doesn't, it doesn't reside in a, you know, in, a, in a white house south of us, and, and it doesn't reside on a, on a hill north of us. Jesus is the possessor of, of all authority in heaven and earth. And we're his church, and we talked about this this morning. God mentioned this. You know, we are his church, his body. Jesus is the head of his church. He's in heaven, and he has all authority in heaven and earth, and we're his body on the earth. And he would wield his authority through us as we give voice to what he wants to do and say. You know, when we pray from authority, in his authority, and we pray in faith, you know, the simple recognition of who he is and what he's done, we begin to make a shift in prayer from, from asking for stuff to happen to, to actually making things happen through prayer with God and not just to God. Prayer is not a struggle to get God to do what he's already done at the cross and by placing us in Christ Jesus. And it's not about getting him to do stuff as much as it is partnering with him to see the obstacles to our seeing what he's already done removed. So here's a couple examples of the apostolic prayers that you find in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, you have the Apostle Paul praying that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. He, he's not asking for stuff as much as he's saying, we want to know what's already happened, and my prayer for you is that God would open your eyes to see it. He says it again in Ephesians. He says that we might know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And he goes on to talk about that, the, the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. He's not asking for power. He's saying that we would know the power that we already have. 
Earlier in Colossians, he says that they might be filled with all knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding. And it goes on to say that that's actually how you live a fruitful and a productive life. That's how you grow in the knowledge of God, is to know his will and all wisdom and understanding. Not God, would you do something, but show me what you've already done. Show me what you intend. And you see this again and again. Uh, the burden of Paul in his prayer push was, was not so much that God would do something, but that people, you know, believers and, and unbelievers alike, would, would see and know and believe what he'd already done. Believers and unbelievers alike. He want, you know, he, I just see the Apostle Paul as some guy who's just, everything he's doing, he's, he's just dripping this desire to make Jesus known. If, if he's in the marketplace and people don't know him, he's like, oh my goodness, God, open the door. Help me to find a way to talk to this person. He's encountering people who already know Jesus and believe in him. And his thought is, how can I share Jesus more? How can I encourage these people along? So again, you see this again and again in his writings. You see this again and again in his life. And, and he's wanting to make, as he says in Colossians here, to make manifest the mystery of God as he ought to. And that's a, that's a message in itself, you know, as we ought to. Um, God's not going to violate anybody's will. He's not going to impose himself on anybody. But I'll tell you what, he'll move heaven and earth to make sure that that person has the opportunity to choose and has the opportunity to make an informed decision. Hence the, the, the desire, the need for us to, to present him, like Paul says, as he is, as I ought to. Now you see this passion and this desire for Paul um, kind of bleeding over into his actions. It starts in prayer and it moves out. It moves in him, it works in him, and it moves out into what he's doing. And like I said, he has this real passion to make sure not just that he gets to talk to people, but that he gets to manifest Jesus as he ought to. So he says in Colossians earlier, in chapter 1, he says, It's him that we preach, teaching and warning every man that we might present everybody perfect in Christ. You know, Paul had a, had a passion to make Jesus known and to, to see him for who he is. So, you know, he writes things like in Galatians, If we or an angel from heaven were to preach another gospel, let him be accursed. That's pretty serious. He's got a message. He, he knows Jesus. He knows the love of God. And he's not wanting that to be watered down or, or tampered with at all. So he's not just like, get me out there with a message. Get me out there because I know Jesus and I want to communicate him. You see this in, in Jesus himself. You know, God wanted an exact representation. He wanted the world to see him for who he's really like. So he sent Jesus. We see that Jesus is the exact representation of, of the Father, the exact likeness of his image. God's actually serious about this. So we also see elsewhere for the Apostle Paul when he's preaching, he says, he says things like this in Romans 15, 19. He says, In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. When he's wanting to manifest Jesus as he is and present the gospel as it is, it's, it's not without a demonstration. It's not without a, a real, not just words, but the power. So he says in Corinthians, a demonstration of spirit and power. That's what, that's what he came with. That's what he brought. He says the kingdom of God's not just word, but power. So, you know, why does he differentiate the spirit and power and all this stuff? You know, signs and wonders, they, they confirm the message, but the message is also to be shared in the nature of the one in whom it points to. So God is love. 
Gifts are, are, are tangible expressions that God, not just that God's all-powerful, but that he's all-loving. So you see the Apostle Paul running all over, uh, all over the, the known world at the time, really, uh, just with a deep passion. I need to communicate Jesus. I need to share the gospel. I need to be true in what I say. And for it to have a real true uh, uh, expression of the gospel, it also needs to communicate the nature of who Jesus is. And he loves people desperately, and there's tangible experience that you can have with him. Uh, that, that makes that love available. So for us, you know, manifesting the mystery of Christ, as he says, as, as we ought to, it's, it's not complicated. You know, life's biggest questions are answered and unveiled in the person of God. Jesus is the answer and the message. Now, when I say Jesus is the answer, you know, earlier in Colossians, he says again, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Life makes sense with Jesus. In a relationship with him, he just makes the world, uh, honestly, makes sense. It makes sense of who you are. It gives you purpose, gives you identity. And it's something that's tasted and seen rather than it's understood before you actually jump in. When, uh, when I look at this stuff and I think again about the Apostle Paul and what he's writing here, uh, I love his boldness and his confidence in wanting to tell people about Jesus. And you can almost hear him when he's saying things like, pray for me, pray for that open door. It's like he's just saying, man, just give me an opportunity. He was looking for one all the time, asking others to pray for himself. And then I can almost see him while he's writing this. And he's like, yeah, I want this open door. Pray for me. Come on. Hold on a sec. You guys need to look for those opportunities too. This isn't just about me. This is about you guys too. And then so he writes things and he says, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. He shifts from open doors for me to, hey, you guys, you, you pay attention also to how you can also communicate this, this Jesus to other people. So yeah, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. In the, in the New International Version, it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, when he says redeeming the time, uh, I don't know about you, but I've... I've spent a time in my life where I took that seriously and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't watch TV. What am I going to do now? I need to be praying. There's people that I'm walking down the street who don't know Jesus. I need to go do something about this right now. And, and I got myself in such a, I was a religious nut, just so you know. Like I was, if, if you can think of something religious, like this guy's done it and done it to the 10th degree, like just nuts. But anyways, I, I think this this call, redeem the time, it's not a it's, it's not a call to manage your, your schedule as much as it is to a call to recognize and realize that the time that you live in, the opportune moment in which salvation and a life-giving uh, relationship is available to everyone. Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, everything that he did, it's inaugurated for us a kairos moment called now and called today. You know, there's a lot of theology out there about um, harvest, bringing in harvest. We're going to redeem the time and, and, and walk wisely to pe for, for people because we need to, you know, there's an urgency to get people into the kingdom of God. Well, well this is what I think about, about harvest. It's, it's actually John verses uh, 4, 35. Jesus said, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white for the harvest. So make the most of the opportune time. What, what is that opportune time? That's not, a, that's not some time when the Holy Spirit 
decides to come and move. It's not a, it's not you guys, you know, us getting really anxious about how we're we're managing our schedule. It's hey, look at what time it is. You're living in an opportune time, and the harvest is now. You know, as long as God's wanting people to know Him and be saved and to to know His love, it, it literally is perpetually harvest time. Jesus didn't say wait till the right season or or for us, you know, sometimes in charismatic speak, wait for the move of the Holy Spirit. It already is that Kairos moment. It already is that opportune time to share now and to share today. So just like Paul, he's like, you know, pray for me. I want open doors. We can pray for open doors. We can ask for opportunities and fully embrace the ones that he's giving you by being vigilant, being watchful in prayer, seeing in prayer and exchanging in prayer his will and desire to touch the people in your life right now. The people that you maybe go to work with, the people that you, that story you frequent, you never know, but you won't know if you don't look, you know, and you won't be able to engage the Holy Spirit in these matters unless you're intentional about it. So be wise, redeem the time, recognize what time it is. It's actually time to tell people about Jesus right now. And this, this is what Jesus is saying now. Don't, don't say, hey, in four months time. He's saying it's right for the harvest now. So if that's true, if it's white for the harvest now, and that harvest isn't coming in. We've got to engage. We've got to be intentional. We've got to get people in an opportunity where they can hear the good news of Jesus. That leads us to this then. What, what should I do? How, how should I deal with this? So when, when we pray, informed and settled by the finished work of the cross and with Christ as our life, our prayer shifts from just, you know, asking God for stuff uh, to being thankful for what he's already provided and speaking prayers that are just full of faith and partnership with him to bring these things into manifestation. Prayer shifts to wanting to make known what he's already done in both our lives and also for those who don't know him yet. We exchange wishes with God and in our, in our interactions with him, his burden, if you will, for people to know him is experienced by us. Paul's praying for an open door is not to be seen as Paul wrestling with God, but a manifestation of God's victory in Paul. He'd taken a man who was trying to kill people for, for their faith in Jesus, and he's, he'd so transformed this man and put his, his nature in him that Paul's like, just give me an opportunity to tell people about this Jesus who I once tried to kill people for believing in. He's not wrestling with, with God in the sense of, God, you're, you're reluctant and you're, you're holding this door for a more opportune time. No, no, now is the time. And that door can be opened through partnership with God in prayer. If we engage this process with the Lord, if we, if we engage this exchanging of wishes, if you will, we'll find ourselves, like Paul, looking for opportunities to share Jesus, not because we have to, but because we want to. We're moved by the very uh, passion of God. We begin to not only pray for opportunities, but realizing the time that we're in, we, we actually engage and take that opportunity. You know, how many times um, maybe you, you sit in line somewhere or you've been out and about and you've got your impact, invite people, we've got a seat saved for you, and there's a, there's a little nudging, a little, you know, maybe that person needs to be here on Sunday. And I don't know, so there's been a few times, I'm going to be honest with you, where I've kind of like, nah, they don't look interested. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, but there's other times where they're not, and people are like, oh my goodness, thank you. That's awesome. I'm really going to check this out. There's opportunities all around us. 
And if we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, that's intimidating. How do I do this? Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 6, he says, do it like this. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. In another translation, it says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I like the the New Living Translation there. It says, let your conversation be gracious. Conversation is a two-way thing. You know, the the intimidation of telling people about Jesus and and wanting to engage the gospel in people. Sometimes, you know, you don't have to go and just unload on people and say, here's the gospel, here's the good news, here's my tract, see you later. You know, it's a... It's a conversation. Get involved with people. Get to know people. You know, let, let other people speak back. It's a two-way thing. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm a, I've done these personality tests, and I'm actually 100% introverted. And uh, no matter how many times I do this or which tests I do, I, I, you know, may, maybe it changes and I'm 99%. But I'm, like, the introverted personality is me. Like any stereotype of the guy who wants to live by himself on a deserted island, that's me as well. But I'll tell you what, it, it honestly, love manifests itself through any personality. The passion and the desire in God's heart to communicate the gospel with people and to bring him into a relationship with you, it's, it's not something that, that's hindered or blocked by, you know, the type of person you are or the, that social awkwardness when you go and talk to somebody like, oh, oh my goodness, I don't know, you might reject me. Well, you might, but you might accept Jesus too, right? So it's good. So let your, uh, let your conversation, let it, let, let it be seasoned with salt. You know, salt's not just a preserver, but I don't know, you have a bag of chips and you have the salt, it makes you want more. You know, sometimes you want to drink, you know? There's a way to converse with people, to engage people. When you, when you recognize and you connect that the, the most interesting person in the world isn't that guy on that Dos Equis commercial, it's actually Jesus and he lives inside of you. When you go to engage and you want to talk to people, you understand that actually you've got something that people not only want, but they need. Not only do they need it, but they want it. We were made, people were made for Jesus. So again, you don't need to be uh, intimidated about talking to people about Jesus. You know, there's, there's, two kind of, there's two kind of sides to this, to redeeming the time and making the most of every opportunity. There's, there's the going out and the telling, you know. He says that he's chosen the, the foolishness of preaching. There's a message to be shared. You know, there's, a, there's an actual, I need to tell you. How can they believe unless they hear? But there's also a, a, a come. There's also a taste and see. You know, Psalms 34, taste and see the Lord is good. Engaging others with the gospel might be as simple as inviting people to church. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I think about all the things that, that um, people are doing on Sunday morning. And we've chosen to come together, not, not to the church, but as the church. And Jesus promised us that when we do that, he's here in the midst of us. I felt Jesus today. The, the guy who made everything. The guy who has all authority in heaven and earth, he's here and he walks amongst us. What the heck else good thing could you do on Sunday besides have an encounter with the living God? People need that. So inviting people to church, that, that's good evangelism. That's come and see. That's come and taste. And it's not just, uh, it's not just Sundays. Small group shout out. Feel free. Invite your people to small groups. Invite your friends, honestly. I think one of the things that, that's overlooked is, um, so yeah, need help. Sunday mornings, impact groups, church events like the picnic. 
I think one of the things that's overlooked, Jesus said, you know, you'll know, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. So when you, when you reduce evangelism and sharing the gospel down to something like a, like a formula or a four-step process or, or a system, I think you, you neglect the greatest part of that. Obviously the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit in you. You know, the, the thing that differentiates us together is we're, we're meeting together today and, and perhaps other, other clubs like, uh, I don't know, a, a Liverpool football club supporters club. One of the things that differentiates that from what we got going on here today is you got, I've experienced God with you guys today. God has been here in our midst. That, that's that's mind-blowing. And it's actually life-changing. So it's, it's a two-pronged attack. And Play to your strengths. Bring people in. Let people experience the connection and the quality of our love with each other, you know? I, I, I love being at church. I love meeting people I, who are connected to this church on, on small groups. I, I love Sunday mornings. I love Wednesdays. I love my breakfast time on Thursday with Pastor Carl. I love it. Just bring people. Let people experience the connection that we have because that's actually the Holy Spirit. When we spend time with the Lord in prayer, when we engage in this process of exchanging wishes with God and you let him put his passion inside of you, you're going to find not only are you boldly speaking and reframing your world, but you're also doing it. You're engaging the world. You're engaging the people that you're praying about and over with a newfound love and a desire to see them come to know Jesus. So let's stand. Let's pray. Let's put that into action. Let's pray. Let's ask. Let's ask for that exchange. Let's ask for that partnership. Just take a moment, too. Just think. Think about the Lord. Think about the people in your lives. Think about the people that you, you know, need to come. Need to come and experience Jesus the way that we have. Think about the people who uh, might come to a small group. Think about the people that you're going to ask. Think about the people that you're going to tell something about Jesus, too the nature of God, to share himself and to communicate who he is. It's already in you. When you've embraced Jesus, when you've embraced the spirit of God inside of you, that passion, that love, it's already there. So before we pray, if there's anybody here who does not know Jesus, who is not in that relationship with the most amazing person that you could ever imagine, but you want to. Maybe you've heard something today and you're like, I need to know that guy. I need to know the God who loves me. Then this is your moment here. I'm just going to count to three. Just place your hand up in the air nice and high so we can see it. We'll all pray together. Everybody's eyes closed, heads bowed. Just put your hand up nice and high. One, two, three. All right, well, we got some inviting to do. We got some inviting to church on Sundays. We've got some inviting to do in small groups. We've got a gospel to share and and a passionate God who wants people to know him. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you want to be known. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the partnership that you've called each and every single one of us into. And Lord, it's my prayer that we would all experience that exchange of wishes with you where you just share your heart, you share your, your desires with us, where, where we feel comfortable and confident to share our desires with you, God. 
and we experience breakthrough in our lives, where we experience, Lord, the, the passion of God moving us, motivating us, connecting us to people around us. Lord, I thank you for those people out there who don't yet know you, but who will, and who are going to do so because of the, the witness and the power of the Holy Spirit on each of these people. So God, I pray that you would show us people who we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with. Show us people who we can invite to this place. Thank you, Lord, so much that we get to gather together and you're here and you want other people to experience that too. So Lord, we bless everybody here. We bless the, the students who are going to go away. And I, I know Destiny's got a little issue with her ankle, which we speak through in Jesus' name and say, be healed right now in Jesus' name. God bless the students. Thank you you're going with them. Thank you, Lord, that you're opening doors for them that no man can shut. You're closing doors no man can open. Your favor is on people's lives. Good things are happening. God, we bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And if I could just have the elders as well come forward and the people on the prayer team. If you need something specific in prayer today, if you need something uh, for somebody to partner with you and speak in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus over your life and your life circumstances, please come forward. Good things happen at the altar. Have a good afternoon.